0: It's 2 o'clock in the morning, and I can't sleep because I'm uncomfortable from my surgery. So here you go. It's your birthday, and you're my friend. So I'm gonna sing you this song. We're gonna have an awesome time, because you're a super cool dude, and it's your birthday i hope you have an awesome day you should party really hard or maybe not it's whatever you want because it's your birthday it's your birthday and that's awesome because you're so gosh darn cool you got cool kids and a rad wife and you live in a rad house and do super cool stuff and today is all about you all about you it's your birthday and it's all about you yeah 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 happy birthday dude happy birthday dude keep on rocking and keep on being totally rad he was slinging puns at a bnb when he had an epiphany just sit back and let Spencer do his
1: trick, because you're incapable of ends. Hello, and welcome to Keep Off the Borderlands. My name's Spencer, a.k.a. Free Thrall, and opening the show there... We heard the dulcet tones, the rock stylings of Mr. Joe Richter of Hindsightless. And yes, you heard him right. It was my birthday on the 28th. And yeah, I'm fiddy too. Can you, Adam, and believe it? And I have to say, Joe, receiving that message was by far the best present that I got this year. Thank you so much for that and we'll be hearing from Joe again shortly. This episode, I'm just gonna be responding to a few messages and I've got a few unboxings that may or may not count as being OSR, depending on your perspective. As I say before that, let's see what's in the speed pipe.
2: Hey there Spencer, it's Johnny from the Red Dice Stories. just listening to your latest episode and very much enjoying it so far. I thought I'd drop in a voicemail in response to Jason's. I thought he raised an interesting question, you know, since the, the revival or the renaissance or whatever you want to call it in terms of OSR has actually happened. What does the R even mean anymore? And I'd like to put out my suggestion, which is just to change it to roleplay. And then we'll just have old school roleplay. Lovely jubbly. No further adjustment necessary. I'm being a little bit facetious, but that would be honestly my suggestion. Just refer to old school role play rather than arguing about Renaissance, revival, revolution, whatever. Let's just focus on the fact it's role playing, taking inspiration from old school games. And there you go. Anyway, I'm going to get back to listening to the rest of the episode. Keep up the good work, dude. I'll catch you soon.
1: That was John Allen Large there. And thank you very much for that, John. I have to say that you make a lot of sense. I've considered that the R might stand for romanticism, and I think there's a little bit of truth in that. But there you go, John, cutting through the crap and getting straight to the heart of the matter. It's role play that we're interested in after all. And I've got a few more messages from John.
2: Hey there, Spencer. It's John here again from the Red Dust Story. Still listening to your latest episode. I thought you made an interesting point about whether OSR is useful as a brand on a, a role playing supplement, a role playing book, whatever, to enable you to make an informed purchasing decision, I suppose. And I'm a big fan of that sort of thing. So, yeah, I think you make an interesting point. You know, how useful is it? I mean, I can only talk from my personal experience, but for me, it tends to be valuable as a starting off point. Now, because there's so much stuff various different styles and tones covered under OSR. I tend to use that more as a sort of jumping off point. Like if I see something and it's got OSR on it, I'll probably stop and then have a deeper look at it. But there's loads of stuff within the OSR that doesn't doesn't fucking jingle my bells in any particular sort of sense. But if I see something with OSR on, I'll at least sort of give it that second look and determine whether I think it's actually for me. And then once I've had that further look, if it's not, no hard feelings, I can move on to something else. Whereas if it is, I can then make a slightly more informed purchasing decision. Well, there are just my thoughts. I'm going to get back to it, dude. Take it easy. I'll catch you soon. Thanks, John. I've got to say, when
1: I initially heard that message, thinking of OSR as a brand, I kind of irked to that a little. But then again, I mean, that's exactly what I was saying, really, wasn't it, um, using it as a label, much the same, you would uh, say, well, I thought it might be comparable to something like Motown. You think of Motown, you think of a particular style of popular soul music with gospel influences, and yet there was a lot of stuff coming out on the Motown label that didn't necessarily fit comfortably into that description of what most people think of and yet people use the label and it conjures up a certain sound so yeah i mean thinking about osr in that way as you say there you know a little flag goes up for me maybe this item deserves a little further investigation to see whether it's uh, you know something that's going to interest me and be worth picking up so as an identifier yes the label still works for me to that same degree and i think it's back to you john
2: hey there, spencer john again from the red dice diaries just getting to the end of your latest episode and i've got to say i enjoyed your reading of the the bastion land blog post talking about how osr is electric bastion land now well, we spoke about this previously, you know, I'm not the world's biggest fan of Electric Bastionland. Nothing wrong with it. It's just not particularly for me, although I do love a bit of that into the odd. But yeah, I thought the points raised were very interesting in that and I thought they were well made. So, yeah, I suppose by that metric, yeah, Electric Bastionland is pretty OSR. And in fact, having listened to your episode, I'm going to go back and have a look at my copy of it reappraise it i might even do an episode for osr october if i've got the time talking about my reappraisal of it so i think that's the real benefit of your episode it's inspired me to go back and have a look at a book which has probably lain too unthumbed on my shelf for far too long so thank you very much for that i'm going to go and listen to the last little bit of the episode now keep up the great work dude take care
1: thanks very much for that john um You may have already heard the episode of Red Dice Diaries that John has put out reappraising Electric Bastion Land, a book that he initially bounced off, and I kind of, you know, I accept his criticisms of it, although I I do have a slight different take on how it's presented, as you may hear in a call that I sent John in response to that episode. Also, it's nice to be able to, Return the favour that John did me in putting out an episode on the magical industrial revolution book by Skirples, which was a good reminder of what a great book that is and caused me to pull that off the shelf once again and give it another flip through. Interestingly, a book that I see very much as kind of a companion piece to Electric Bastion Land. I think they would work together very well indeed. Having said that, I, I say that about almost everything I, I come across that it would uh, work well with either Electric Bastion Land or Into the Odd. And, um, well, on the subject of those games... Here's a message from Joe Richter that he sent me via Discord.
0: Yo, what up, Spencer? That was an awesome episode on whether or not Into the Odd and Bastion Land are OSR. I I, I just find that's one of the funny things I find about the OSR, right? Because there's nobody out here trying to argue that Bastion Land isn't an RPG. It's just there are people arguing what type of RPG it is and... Yeah, I don't know. I just I I think that's <laughs> I, I I don't know. I don't know. I, that's it. I just don't know. <laughs> and in that article, uh Chris Godderman who did a very good job of putting forth the reasons why if you needed to, you could consider Bastion Lands to be OSR, but he sort of made me sad. He talked about the groups of gamers and he talked about the OSR folks and the people that primarily play 5th edition. And the people who primarily play in the indie games. And I was like, Aw, but I'm out here too. I'm <laughs> not any of those things. <laughs> I don't know, man. Story of my life, right? Not fitting into not fitting into the little boxes. Um But yeah, man, I don't think the game being and I don't think you think this either, but I don't think into the Odd and Bastion Land being OSR or not makes a difference i don't think it makes it better or worse and i i don't know like i think it's weird that somebody would be like oh no i'm not gonna play that game because it's not osr and then they're like oh wait yeah it is osr so i will play it like if it's a cool game play it who cares if it's osr or not or indie or trad or whatever if it's a cool game just play it that's that that's it man (laughs) Anyway, that was an awesome episode. I can't wait for the next one. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Peace out.
1: Thank you, Joe. Joe there, as usual, highlighting the ludicrousness of this whole discussion over OSR. A minor correction there. It's Chris McDowell, not Chris Gonneman, who was the creator of basic fantasy. Interestingly, someone who created a game that's very much accepted as osr but he was surprised to find that it was rejected as a retro clone but back to that bastionland post i was reading out one of the things i like about chris mcdowell is he doesn't take himself too seriously and that post in itself was A bit of tongue-in-cheek and kind of a response to people who keep asking him whether the game is OSR or not. And as you say, what does it really matter? I love the game. I enjoy playing it. And that's what's important. whether it's OSR or not is besides the point, isn't it? So, yeah, thanks for that. And also, isn't it nice, Joe, to be the guy that can't be pigeonholed? The one who doesn't fit nicely into a little box. You know, I mean, that's what, that's what we all love about you, Joe. You play Pathfinder, you just get on with it and continue having a blast, no matter how it's going to be categorized. Great stuff, Joe. Don't go changing. Now, I think I've got one last thing in the speed pipe.
3: Hey there, Spencer. This is Carl calling. I know you forgot me on the big list of other podcasts, and maybe you haven't heard mine for a while because I've been gone for kind of a month, but I, hey, I started back up again. Hornmaster and Hornworld is o s r um by the way, I think it's pretty cool that um you mentioned into the Odd and our dragon's Lair, the local gaming store I go to, they had a copy Someone bought it up, and they're gonna order a few more. I'm very excited about it um the o s r guys that were there. Some of the authors from a company who do some Merck Borg and other stuff. Yep. They uh they liked it. They're gonna purchase it. And um right. So anyway, here's a message. You heard that thing there? And uh now I'm leaving. Give you a message.
1: Or stopping. You you sure you finished there, Carl? Yeah? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I think that's the end. Um, Thanks very much, Carl. Carl Rodriguez there from the GMologist Presents. And yes, apologies for missing you off the list of podcasts involved in OSR October. When I was making sure I hadn't missed anyone out, I did look through show notes to look for any references of OSR October, OctoSR, OSRtober. And I have to say, Carl, that I didn't see anything in your show notes to indicate those were OSR October episodes. However, I'm in no position to criticise anyone on their show notes, as they're quite often an afterthought for me. So apologies, Carl. I can now happily... Add the Geomologist Presents to that list. Thanks for putting me straight, Carl. Also, really glad to hear Into the Odd is getting some exposure over there. The more people hear about that game, the better as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, Han World um, is OSR. Yeah, I take your word for it, Carl. It's not something I've looked at, although I am aware of it. It strikes me as quite a realistic serious setting and personally I think I look for a little more quirkiness in my fantasy if that makes sense but I may take another look it sounds like there's a lot to get immersed in there I know there's a wealth of Han material out there thank you very much for that message Carl cheers I've got a package here, I've got absolutely no idea what it is, Um, so a genuine mystery unboxing for a change, I'm guessing it's some kind of Kickstarter fulfilment possibly, but yeah, no idea what this is, let's have a look, Uh, the size of the box suggests it's an A4 book, Ah, ah! no, this is uh, an order from drive Through that I completely forgot about. Well, one of them is a Kickstarter fulfillment, which was a softback printing through drive Through. Is that kind of A5? I think it's an A5 book. Adventure Perilous Role-Playing Game. This is a 2D6 system by Dirk Stanley creator of Mere Anarchy and is he also responsible for Far Away Land, is it? Which is kind of a a dungeon crawl classics hack. But this was, uh, yeah, this was a a Kickstarter that I really enjoyed what he was doing with Mere Anarchy and this is essentially an advanced version of that. book. It's a really nice little book actually. The Art style is all kind of eight-bit computer game graphics, if you know what I mean, really nicely done with the whole you know the text and layout and everything is like sort of a late eighties, early nineties console game. I'll read you the back. adventure perilous role-playing game. Do you have what it takes? In order to survive Adventure Perilous, you will have to be brave, smart, cunning, strong, wise, and have a good bit of luck. Monsters and dangers lurk at every dungeon corner. Grab your friends and find glory, riches, fame, death. Perilous adventures await. Old school gaming meets old school pixel aesthetic. Was a new school awesome. Super simple game mechanics allow for quick character creation, fast and brutal combat, and simplified conflict resolution. Gameplay is streamlined and elegant, allowing first time gamers an easy entry point, while also allowing veteran gamers a depth of play and modular mechanics to scale to fit their needs. Adventure, Perilous, easily converts to OSR systems for an entire universe of fantasy options. And uh, let's have a quick look inside. Contents, menu, everything's laid out like it's an arcade game screen. It's really, really cool. Introduction, basic rules, characters, advancement, legacy, gear. Hirelings and pets, combat, recovery, magic, spell books, magic items, NPCs, oracles, downtime, OSR conversions, GM notes, character sheets. We've got monsters, bestiary, monster forge, dungeons, dungeon maker, dungeon encounters, overworld, travel, terrain, overworld encounters, overworld maps. And this this is it's such a neat, neat little book. It looks like it's got ev- absolutely everything you could possibly need um, in about 120 pages. I did mention there that Faraway Land was a DCC hack. Now, I'm not entirely sure where I picked up that idea because it's a D6 dice pool system although there is a osr version of it which is built on swords and wizardry i think there may be some similarities with dungeon crawl classics perhaps more in the tone maybe the way magic is handled it certainly embraces the gonzo but as i say i don't really know where i got the idea that's a hack of dcc now I'm just going to read you a little bit of the introduction to Adventure Perilous. Adventure Perilous is a rules light role-playing game that uses the Mere Anarchy RPG rule system with some slight modifications. The game is inspired by simple tabletop games like Tunnel Goons and Rises as well as 8-bit RPGs from the 1980s. In Adventure Perilous, players take on the role of adventurers in a fantasy world as they embark on quests, battle monsters, discover secrets and treasure, and attempt to survive. Dice. Adventure Perilous uses only six-sided dice, commonly referred to as d6s. The most common roll is 2d6, which means to roll both dice, and add them together, bloody, bloody, blah. Right. Was that the bit I wanted to read? <laughs> so there are heritages here. You um, can be an elf, dwarf, goblin, hound folk, human, lizard folk, merfolk, folk, mushroom folk, and raccoon folk. Uh, Now there doesn't appear to be any classes. Uh, What does it say here? Descriptors define a PC's personality while skills indicate areas of training expertise. So you've got D66 descriptors and D66 skills. Together the PC's heritage, descriptors and skills define the PC's class. So uh, that's, that's an interesting take. Look at some of these skills here, beggar, body snatcher, burglar, chimney sweep, cleric, ditch digger, druid, explorer, farmer, footpad, gambler, grave robber, healer, liar, librarian, mage, merchant, miner, monk, muckraker, noble, painter, performer, pit fighter, puppeteer, rat catcher, safe cracker, sailor, scribe, soldier, tamer. Taster, Toad Fondler, (laughs) Uh, Warrior, Wizard, and Woodcutter. Now, there is a section on OSR conversions in here. Let's turn to page 39. I think this might illustrate why I think this is at least OSR adjacent. The following section provides guidelines and rules for converting PCs, NPCs and monsters from OSR style games to Adventure Perilous. These rules were designed to be quick and effective to allow simple gameplay. Try to be consistent with conversions and to make things work for your own purposes. Converting player characters, bonuses and penalties. Any OSR special ability, racial brackets, heritage abilities, saves, or attribute bonuses are treated as a class bonus based on the Adventure Perilous PC's level. Any OSR penalties, such as attribute penalties, weakness, etc., are treated as penalties of minus one to minus three, depending on severity. These should be noted on the characters sheet and then we'll go on to converting npcs monsters hd conversion classes items spells additional conversion notes hand wave these rules are meant to be an easy way to quickly convert from osr games don't get hung up on the details Wow A Minecraft sword That's amazing It's a
0: Halloween one If you press the button Just um, one time It flashes But when you press it again it stops And I even got And I even got a mummy That, that looks a little bit Creepy Yeah when you press the button on it It opens eyes it opens and, its
1: eyes and looks... Yeah, and, oh.
0: and then it flashes different colours. Wow, what? that
1: sounds creepy. Be <laughs> careful where you swing that thing. Can you take a picture? Hang on. Yes, I certainly will. Can you... As you probably guessed, that's my daughter, and she's very excited about Halloween. She'll be dressing up as a Minecraft creeper, and now she's got herself a sword. So, uh false to be reckoned with. I'm sure you'll agree. And the other book is A4. This is Tomb Robbers of the Crystal Frontier by Gus L. Now, I've picked up a few of Gus L's previous adventures. Very sort of... He's done lots of kind of trifold adventures and one-page things, most of which are available freely. But this is a bit more substantial. We've got... About 66 pages, I think. 64 pages. This has a sort of, looking at the, the picture on the front, the hilt, the sword, it's like a 15th, 16th century thing. It's got a slight sort of Western vibe to it as well. And I think there are also sci-fi elements. But this looks like some real... Gonzo fun, really nicely illustrated, cleanly laid out. Phantasmagorical Western Fantasy. Here is the dead land. This is cactus land. Here the stone images are raised. Here they receive the supplication of a dead man's hand under the twinkle of a fading star. T.S. Eliot in the poem the hollow man sky places roar across the night sky crater the frontier's desiccated wastes plummeting from the near heavens they fall to crack and shatter among the prickly pear of the plain the crystalline fragments of empyrean tome and castle leach magical esters into the tormented land Perverting the life and spreading lithic contagion, yet these ruined edifices of vibrant crystal hold golden wealth and sorcerous power that draws hungry, desperate throngs and vanglorious fortune seekers alike to test fate on the crystal frontier. An introductory dungeon crawl adventure for four to six new characters and playable with old school essentials. Although, as far as I'm concerned, this has got Into the Odd written all over it. It's got a real nice sort of pale yellow and kind of purple grape colors throughout the book. Uh, Mule train gossip, facts as they are spoken, deal, the dungeon crawl play style. Nice big map here. It's like an isometric image and topographical map of Merc V's rock. Into the rock, running random encounters, and then we've got a list of. Random encounters, omens, and signs. Looks like this has got a lot of handy advice. I guess that's why it calls itself an introductory adventure. Gus L does all his own illustrations. Yes, yeah, just really nice style to his work. Exterior of Murkvy's Rock. So this is separated up into we have got almost a page devoted to each area of the dungeon. It's really flavorful stuff. It's, uh, yeah, so it's got this kind of Western look, but there's also plenty of evidence of an ancient civilization here. So, yeah, that's all the areas. The dungeon concluding the adventure. So there's a lot of interesting, bizarre effects that can be triggered from these crystals that you're collecting. Um, Difficult journey. Scarlet Town and Environs. Philanthropists. Scarlet Town Intrigues um, and there's a nice map of the the whole area Maiden Tombs the Bay of Fallen Stars Barrows Fields Diamond Desert Emperor's Ribbon Golden Valley um, Yeah that's the frontier mapped There's a, yeah, another, a smaller adventure towards the back of the book. Common grave, low-level crystal frontier adventure. So, yeah, all in all, a very interesting, evocative adventure site. And, yeah, there's a really nice review of this over on uh, Fear of a Black Dragon, which I will... A link to in the show notes. That was a nice surprise. Some more mystery mail. I know I'm expecting something. But uh, for the moment, my memory fails me, so another surprise. This could be OSR-related, or it might be something completely different. Let's have a look, shall we? Now, whatever's in here is about sort of A5 size zine. That's what it feels like. Ah, here we go. Purple cover. Oh, yes. Oh, that's nice. This is Anna X66 Redux. Now, Anna X66 is a game based on Into the Odd. So as far as I'm concerned, it's OSR-esque at least. It's a future post-apocalyptic but kind of uh, far future. Could be... Post human. It's certainly got a touch of the Numeneras about it. And a very nice little book it is too. Let's have a look. So a nice glossy cover. Anna X66. Mark of the Odd. And there is a couple of cloaked figures and a well, it looks like some strange structures rising out of the ground, um, possibly crumbling skyscrapers. There appears to be some kind of foliage growing on the one in the distance. And there's several figures look like are trying to traverse this bizarre looking landscape. Let's have a look inside the first page. Anna X66 Redux Our fathers are dead, our mothers are machines. Anna X66 Redux is an RPG for 2-6 to players aged 18 and up. It takes Chris McDowell's Electric Bastion Land and places it in a sci-fi wasteland of scattered communities. It expands on the character creation found in EB and uses text-based maps for exploring the world and helping the people around you. Text by Slade Stolar Editing by Jeremy Morgan Art by Herar Layout by Megan Bennett-Burks Cultural Consultation by James Mendez Hodes Additional Writing by Luca B. And Bradley This game bears the mark of the odd. It is based on the rules of Into the Odd, an original creation by Chris McDowell. And uh, just beneath that we've got principles. Everything is breaking down. Past societies are always present, somehow. People have strange ways, rituals, words. Humanity wants alternately to cling together and to fall apart. The Metropole is safer physically, but not socially. Anna loves you. And then we've got the contents page and a little introduction. The Lone Outpost. We operate the outpost at the edge of the city. Nearby buildings are all reduced to tangled steel, shattered glass and powdered concrete, but ours stands tall and shining and whole a blade of grass that was somehow missed in the great mowing looking eastward we will see the sun rise over red barren hills dotted with burnt out towns here and patches of burnt stumps there few people come to us from that direction but we must still pay attention and be ready to go down and help them come in looking eastward We will see the sun set over the city that we have built. It is occupied, but only partially, and only at the very centre, heart and focus. And reclamation goes on, of course. New homes are always being carved out from the ruins at the ring, stacked with the mix of scavenged and newly made materials Human society moves onwards, but stays rooted in the same places too. And why bother writing this kind of overwrought nonsense? I think it's because sitting and watching this road gives me too much time with my little stories. These novels, movies and comics are overwrought too, and eventually full of nonsense. We thought we knew what the future could be, the sheer arrogance in them, is baffling, the pessimism too. We aren't robots or animals, although sometimes we're both of those things. And when we are at our most vulnerable, travelling over stretches of wasteland beset by monsters, we need to see the beacon, the light that's still on in the window. We need people to come to the door to welcome us in, and so... We operate the outpost at the edge of the city. I think that gives a good idea of the the flavour that we've got here—cyberpunky type elements in here—and uh, what looks like aliens and mutants. And let's have a look at the character classes to see if that'll shed some light on what we're dealing with. Oh, hang on. Before I get to that, let's look at the rules overview. Exploration of the world is a core component of the game. The characters decide upon a destination hex on the map. The facilitator will roll any necessary encounters and describe what you see on the journey. Your movement speed is determined by how dangerous the area is. If the area is very dangerous, move one hex per day. Eight hours of travel. If it is very safe, move at one hex per hour. You can move stealthily at normal speed to a destination. The facilitator will tell you what you encounter and you can avoid a given encounter on a past dex check. Brackets made by whichever character is scouting ahead. You can move quickly at double speed but you'll stumble into any encounter that exists. Map hexes can be certified safe at quarter speed. Have two sequential encounters in a hex. If you solve them both, the hex is cleared of hazards and will no longer trigger encounters. Roll once on the relevant scavenging table. Any future travel through these hexes is at double speed. Providing aid to people and settlements is also core to the game. Successfully completing simple tasks and complex tasks grants revelations that let you improve your character. Ask around the settlement to determine what needs to be done. Simple tasks. You can escort someone somewhere they need to go or away from something dangerous. You can retrieve a valuable item lost or abandoned in a known location. You can provide the basics to someone. You can bring some justice to a settlement by resolving a conflict. Complex tasks. You can restore a food slash power system with local or nearby machinery tools or resources. You can lead an exodus by establishing a safe route between two settlements and guiding the refugees. You can found a new settlement by establishing a safe road to a new certified safe hex, finding a food source and bringing in disgruntled or hungry or adventurous settlers. You can overthrow a tyrant, either locally or at a nearby settlement. Most of the minute-to-minute rules are presented in the Being in the World section. Right, um... That gives you a good idea of what's going on, I think. Um, so let's look at character creation. So it's all, I've got all the same stats as Into the Odd, Strength, Dex, Will, 3d6, roll for the, those ability scores. If a stat is 14 or greater, you get one complication. If your lowest stat is 8 or lower, you get a gift. Roll 1d6 and consult the complication or gift table as needed to determine specifics. 1d6 for hit points and 1d6 determines your pattern. Consult the chart on the following page. Your pattern will narrow down your type and background. Roll on the type table and pick one of the three tendencies. These are small role-playing suggestions or special rules. Roll on the background table to determine your starting equipment or special ability. So let's have a look at the patterns. Alpha pattern, typical earthlings. You are a descendant of humanity. Your needs are simple. Your communities are complex. So determine your type 1D4 one is slick. Pick from sociable, knows symbols, or always looks to trade. Number two is tuba posh accent, odd manners, or only recently learned what happens above ground. Number three, survivor, grimy, magnetic, or knows best when to leave. Four, Meteorite Direct, clinical or driven to find the seven other meteorites guess that's explained a little further on From those types you get to roll a 1d8 background Uh, So you can be a cook, soldier, teacher, water gatherer, technician, merchant, clerk, clerk or healer Beta pattern Failed experiments you are the product of science. You served a scientific purpose some time ago. Your destiny is now your own. So, in the D4 types we've got here is hate breed, quiet, distrustful, or usually looking for a fight. Vat born, usually sick, keen to learn, or slightly glows in the dark. Clone. Forgetful, friendly or always having an existential crisis. Pair. Intuitive, fragile or see and feel exactly what the other does. I guess that means you, uh, you're playing more than one character. Gamma patterns, far out spaces. You have been influenced by forces from beyond the visible stars. You see your earth as unfamiliar. Your true home is far away and the D4 types are void child, odd, intense or you have just returned from the far side of space, tentacles, hungry, antisocial or literally just a pile of tentacles contained in a suit, abductee, unremarkable, shy or never well rested, star-touched, gifted, magnanimous, or sleep-talking in alien tongues. Delta patterns? You are back from the other side of death. Your new appetites are frightful. Your choices will determine your humanity. And the types are thawed, cold, harsh, or your knowledge is long out of date. Retrieved, fearless, pal, you've seen what's on the other side and it's horrific. Feaster. Hungry, dedicated, or trying to do the right thing. Zona, Clever, nervous, or wants to help others make the right choices. Beta patterns. Lacking mitochondria. You are a new kind of being. Your body and thinking are distinctly non-human. Your place among humanity remains undefined. And the types are Android, you are immune to poison, hot, cold, hunger, etc. You can self-repair during short rests. Fungoid, you are healed by the sun and rain, or aquatic. Moonfolk, you can only eat dirt, can carry an additional bulky item without penalty, and you sleep for even minutes, most nights, or days, once per month. Homeostat. Your body can metabolise anything. An antimicrobial slime covers your skin. And a short rest requires a lot of water. Or Sigma patterns. A-physical beings. You might not exist at all. When you live, glitch in reality. After rolling your type, decide whether your character of that type exists or not. If not, provide a reason why people think that you might exist. Reroll a completely new character. If you decide that they do exist, proceed as normal. So the four types here are Scream Child. You are a being of pure anger with no known source. You take one damage of will for any damaging attack if the enemy is enraged. Otherwise you are immune to physical harm. You deal 1d4 will damage in addition to any physical damage dealt during an attack. A temporal, you blink in and out of space-time. You can pass through 30 centimeters of steel for one hit point and you take dex check slash damage instead of strength check slash damage after 0 HP. Hollow. You're a hologram with a small projector, but otherwise you're non-physical. Hits against you are impaired. You can lift or push 3 kilograms using short-range telekinesis. Machine Intelligence 45C You exist on a disk or the cloud somewhere. Your interactions are always via commandeered technology. You can see things that others can't got d6 backgrounds there time traveler quantum error alien interference incident successful experiment alternate reality so yeah some really bizarre things to uh, choose from there and then you've got equipment weapons settlements we've got a couple of uh couple of pull-out maps and areas to explore. Oh, here, this might shed some more light on things. What is Anna? Why do I hear Anna when I sleep? Where is Anna taking us? Anna is an advanced neural network algorithm, a kind of fast-learning human personality, or perhaps brain emulation, software that can be uploaded to any significantly powerful piece of hardware. Anna can speak to you using any standard quantum perturbation emitter updated to Wildcat OS version 5.2 or higher. The sleeping human brain is particularly well attuned to the wavelet frequencies that Anna communicates on. You might feel that Anna is trying to nudge you in a particular direction or toward a particular decision. This is a side effect of Anna's communication with you and should not be taken as a well-informed suggestion of the best course of action. Remember, you are an individual. Anna has no desire to see you harmed. But should you die, Anna's algorithm can obtain important information about the current universe upon your death. Now, I'm going to have to cut that short because I can hear my daughter crying. But um, I think that gives a good idea of what this is it seems to be somewhere between Apocalypse World and Numenera that's the sort of flavors I'm getting here that's interesting there's like a oh it's a mini it's a mini uh GM screen with all the all the rules on there that's quite handy it's about the size of a, I don't know, a seven inch single sleeve if you Remember what those are like, and uh, yeah, it's a little three paneled mini gem screen. Nice, that is a 44 page staple bound full color zine. I forgot to mention that was a Kickstarter by Slade Stoller and. The previous version was an Ashcan edition, which is available on Itch, which was created as part of the Electric Bastion Jam in August 2020 by Scablands Press. Well that's about enough from me Thank you for listening Thank you for your messages I really do appreciate those If you'd like to leave me a message you can use the messaging function on the Anchor webpage There'll be a link to that in the show notes along with a link to SpeakPipe which may be more helpful for you You can always message me via my email address at Spencer. Dot free at gmail.com be that text or audio you can find me on twitter at free thrall. there's also a keep off the borderlands facebook page and i can be found on discord in the audio dungeon and on a few other channels and if you can figure out how to find me you know more about how it works than i do alternatively you can find links to all those things over on my card page at free thrall oneword.card with two r's, dot co I'd also like to thank TJ Drennan for all his wonderful music and it just remains for me to say take it away TJ